0: Welcome to a brand new episode of Shellheads, a TMT podcast. I'm your host, Sergio. Uh, With me, as always, is your other host, Jeff. How's it going, Jeff? It's going quite well, Sergio. How's it going for you? Uh, Wonderful. Uh, Here's where we typically have a little bit of small talk. I'm going to say, nix that, because we have too much content. It's a a beefy baby. Yeah, we we have a lot to talk about, so let's dive right in. What is our first segment, Jeff? It's time to see what's in your box. Fantastic. Yes. uh, So, so uh, as listeners might recall, a a couple episodes ago, we uh, talked about Bebop and Rocksteady and I I should I should know better than to do this. But as as soon as as soon as we recorded that episode, I was like, let me go see what Bebop and Rocksteady stuff I'm missing. And turns out there's a lot of things that I'm missing. Like, I I, I don't have the original two uh action figures on card i probably should like you know i have school, all of the school? other main characters what was that
1: like old school old school original 87 versions
0: yeah yeah and they're not cheap like no. I, would, I was yeah i was on ebay they're like 176 dollars each now are they the soft head or plastic head i don't probably probably plastic i don't know okay Cause but the, the soft had were the first run. Yeah. Uh, I didn't buy those, but what I did buy is, uh, the, the we, we, talked about the two classic, uh, classic collection, like, uh, releases from like 2011 or 2013 or 2009 or something like that. The uh, ones where they were like jacked and ripped. Yeah. I bought both of those. Those were heavy. Yeah. Th- those are beefy figures. Like they're, In- they're really cool. Uh, you got all the muscles in there. They, they they don't really look they don't look much like any version now that I get them in hand they don't really look like any version of the 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 two characters but they're cool and they're weird and you know I like cool and weird. Oh yeah. Uh, in addition to that I also uh realized I didn't have the Bebop and Rock Steadies from um the Nickelodeon show. Oh. For some reason, I just never got those. Uh, So I went to try down. No, well, they're harder than you would think. Uh, It's not like there's a whole bunch of them on eBay. I think I found like two or three of uh, who did I get? I got I got uh, I got Rocksteady in the mail. And it's, of course, on card, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say uh, mint, but, you know, it's it's on card. It's new. uh, It looks great. And that's a cool looking figure too. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm scouring eBay looking for the matching uh, Bebop. The thing is, is those were re-released a couple of times, uh, and and some of them have slightly different paint jobs. So I got to make sure I line it up with the one with the Rocksteady that I bought. But that's the only other thing that I got. Uh, is my my pre-order from Entertainment Earth came in. Cool. Uh, the one with the giant Krang Funko, mm-hmm. and it's not as big as I imagined it being, but it's adorable. You imagine it to be like a big fig. Yeah, it's not like a giant, like huge fig, but it's it is definitely the you know how Funko has like three different levels of size. Yeah, it's it's the basically the oversized bigger one.
1: Okay, so, so it's not Kool-Aid Man size from Target. No,
0: no. I still need to snag one of those. Yeah, uh, but it's cool. It's cool. It looks better in person than it does on screen. So that's, that's what's in Sergio's box. Shall we find out what's in my box, Sergio? Yes, what's in your box, Jeff?
1: I also got my Funko Krang uh, Entertainment Earth pre preorder it as well. Oh, okay, cool, cool. So it's a safe bet. It was like, hey, we probably got ours at the same time. My other stuff that I've ordered, don't get me started. Don't, don't.
0: I'm, I'm still waiting on packages. Dude, me too. Like, there, there's one, one turtles book that I ordered t- three months ago, and it took, like, it was go- it, it, it was in transit for so long. I had the seller refund me for it. Yeah. I got the refund, and I bought it again, and then the one he sent showed up, so I did the kind thing, and I wrote, "Return to sender on it, put it back in the mailbox, knowing that I had another one coming in. Yeah. Yeah, see, nice guy Sergio, right? Yeah. It's been three and a half, four weeks? Four (sighs) weeks since I ordered the second one, and I I just assume it's coming media mail, and they just kind of throw that onto a truck and say, when it gets there, it gets there.
1: Yeah, because that's what's happened to two of mine. Well, at least one. Um, so pretty, pretty hacked. Yeah, it's fine. It'll it'll get here. But yeah, it's, it's just not just like I'm it's in, lost. It's just taking a while. It's just, I'm impatient
0: with packages. We'll pay pay for faster shipping. I did. You in didn't pay case, for overnight shipping
1: in one. I didn't pay for overnight shipping, but in one case, I was like, I paid for priority. And I was like, come on. <laughs> Uh, well, let's move on to news. And now it's time for the news! Uh, okay, news. Uh, what's our first piece of news, Jeff? We've got some action figure news uh, from, uh, from NECA. We've got a brand new two-pack featuring our boy, Ace Duck, and Mutagen Man from the 80s cartoon.
0: Ace Duck. Like... It's cool. And it's cool that we're getting an Ace Duck figure. Like, d- don't get me wrong. He's got a but gun. Ace Duck was in literally. He was. He wasn't even in the show. Show. He was in. He was on the TV yeah. in the Turtles episode. In one episode. That's it. That's and he's miss, getting an action
1: figure. Well, yeah, sure. Wasn't he a mighty mutanimal at some point?
0: No. No. No, he wasn't.
1: Hmm, we haven't read that far into it, so I didn't know. Uh,
0: <laughs> no, he he was in the Galactic Wrestling Federation. He you know, he he shows up in IDW at one point. But mm-hmm. if, if these figures are based on the original cartoon, dude was barely in one episode. Well, I mean, he did have
1: an original uh, 80s action figure, too, because I have it. Well, cool.
0: true, true.
1: Yeah, but I get what you're saying. Like, yeah. hey, you weren't on the show for a hot second.
0: Yeah, like like these figures are based on the show. They're not based on the original figures. Yeah. Uh, which, I guess, it, it leads me into the conversation about Mutagen Man. The, I, I follow a lot of Turtles boards, and when they released the images of the Mutagen Man figure, a lot of people were very unhappy. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 like the what's his name, Gary or wh- whoever runs the, the NECA page on a uh, on Twitter it basically said, look, dude, calm down. This is based on his appearance in the cartoon, not based on the figure that already exists. Yeah, uh, because because I think the, the the big complaint was, oh, man, how are you going to let, you know, how you going to let uh, what's that sure. other action figure company? Super 7? Yeah, how you gonna let Super 7 outdo you in the Mutagen Man department or something. And the Super 7 one looks like the old Playmates one, just like all of the Super 7 stuff does. Yeah. You know, for better or worse, that's what they're going for. And NECA's looks exactly like his appearance in the TV show. As it should. As it should, because that's what they're trying to replicate. It's it's just I saw so many people say I'm gonna pass on that one. That one's ugly,
1: man. He ain't supposed to be pretty. He's a mutagen man.
0: (laughs) I wonder if he actually holds water. Ooh, that's a good question. That's good. What if he has little body parts floating around on his inside?
1: Oh man, that was see that was always fun to me. That was just cool. I'd put him in the freezer. And let, let the water on the... You're a, psycho-
0: yeah. a psychopath, man. Hey, I only did it like once or twice. It's gonna freeze my mutagen man. Yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> he's fine. He's fine. It should be noted that uh, not only did they announce the Ace Duck and Mutagen Man, but he's all. they're also available for pre-order right now on NECA's website. So go, go, go. Yeah, it's yeah, only going to be for like the next four days so if you're listening to this months later sorry check target i guess yeah uh uh what other figure news do we have uh
1: we're getting a 80s uh cartoon
0: target exclusive splinter funko pop yes we are yes we are and it's it's uh it's gonna be in that same line that you know me and you and originally said oh this must be from the movie but it's not from the movie it's 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 become very obvious that it's from the cartoon. Uh, yeah. Because of subsequent releases, they're just really good looking cartoon. Whatever. Oh, yeah. So I,
1: I was kind of hoping for you know a movie, movie splinter, you know, and maybe eventually movie shredder and you know whatever.
0: Um, you know we'll we'll see. They could. Yeah. Like. F- Funko loves double and triple and quadruple dipping, and oh, yeah. they do have a movie line of figures they could totally throw it into. So, uh, it's a probably just a matter of time. Yeah. Uh, this one, I don't know if I like the way it looks. It's 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 very much the the this splinter is very much based on the original Playmates action figure. So. It
1: looks like he stayed in the wash like too long. <laughs> somebody sat on him and uh i was like hey you guys you know he's
0: <laughs> yeah it's just, very much like if you squint you're like oh oh that is that is, is splinter i mean it doesn't look
1: horrible but like it would have been cool if they kind of made him kind of try and look a little bit like
0: you know the 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 cartoon version um yeah but i i guess the the the, the big the big note here is this is a as you said is a target exclusive so yeah. just assume it's going to be a pain in the butt to track down yeah uh even though metalhead hasn't been terrible like i've i've, I've seen him a couple times huh. in in targets so who knows that's that's good news I, I, I like funko pops yeah yeah uh i'll take the next piece of news okay uh, hey, you know how we're watching all of the rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episodes when yes. me and you, uh, you know, trying to binge watch these things before the movie, uh, the Netflix movie comes out later this year?
1: Mm-hmm. Well,
0: uh, now anyone who is subscribed to Paramount Plus has the opportunity to binge at least 20 of them. Yeah, there's what There's supposed to be, like, what, 26? There's what? there's like 26 in the first season and then there's like 13 in the second season, twelve or thirteen, mm-hmm. depending on how you count those things. Yeah. Uh, so why they're missing, what eighteen episodes or nineteen episodes is I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Maybe they're waiting to see if it's popular. But I'm like, hey, you're losing nothing by putting all of it on there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's maybe there's some sort of like, I, I would say contractual stuff, but they own they own everything involved. They own Paramount and they own. The turtles and Nickelodeon, so there it's shouldn't so, be any legal her hurdles. It's so weird, unless it was contracted like
1: to be on another streaming service or something, or yeah.
0: or, or or if like there was a, a a contract with the actual creators of the show that there was like uh, exclusivity to television for the first eight, 18 months or something. Yeah, you know, and that would be weird. That would <laughs> yeah. be real weird to do, but you know. Stranger things have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, go watch it if you if you have Paramount Plus and you are listening to this, go watch some rise. Please do. Like we're not like that's a Venn diagram that I that I'm comfortable like vouching for. Yeah. Like
1: we're not just saying that. Like, you know, the show gets a lot of hate. I see a lot of hate for it on social media. And it's just a lot of people out there just hating on it to hate on it. And if you really, really give the show a chance, I, I guarantee you will have a good time. Just shut your mind off <laughs> and just sit back and laugh because that's what it's there for.
2: Yeah.
1: Don't I take, agree. Don't take it too seriously because the show doesn't take itself too seriously.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, let's see. The last piece of news we have here. The last piece of real news. I'm sorry, I'm being such a stickler for what is and isn't news, but we'll get to it. The last so piece of real button. news. I, I I say from my my soapbox. Uh, it's somehow, uh, the character descriptions of the new Turtles movie leaked. Yeah. Like character breakdowns of the Seth Rogen produced uh Turtles movie. And um, they go into detail as to who these characters are. As if we didn't know by now. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it was something that wasn't supposed to, like, see the light of day. Mm. Uh, it was probably, like, an in-house character Bible type type thing. Um, did anything stand out in, in these descriptions?
1: Um... I would say maybe the descriptions are a little bit more fleshed out than we've maybe seen on screen. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it, it it very much defines the roles of each of each of the turtles. You know, I don't know. Like it, of course, without having to go in and read every one of them, (laughs) <laughs> uh, like verbatim right now to everyone. Uh, yeah, we're not getting we're there. Not doing you, can, that, yeah. you can check it out on uh, MovieWeb.com, and there's probably some other. Just type in Seth Rogen TMNT.
0: I think the the one thing that stands out for me uh, is Michelangelo. So you, you being a Michelangelo guy, yeah, you you I'm sure you're coming into this hoping they go certain directions with the character. And in this description, he is. Described as the goofball, right? Mm. But nowhere in this description does it say he's an idiot. Yeah. It doesn't say that he is stupid or anything like that. He, it says more, more. Basically, the description is very positive And it, it, he's like the uplifting turtle. He's the, 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 the one who loves living life. Yeah. And that, I love that version of Michelangelo. Mm hmm. As much as I like the oh he's an idiot shtick that they, they 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 tend to lean on, uh, I really do like him just being the the heart of the team. Which is very much the IDW
1: version. Yeah. Yeah. Which I want because as again, to, to kind of echo what you just said, I love like the twenty twelve Mikey, all of that. But when it the dumb goofball stuff—it's—it's—it's it's, it's overplayed. I'm tired of it. I want something fresh and new, and I want him to just be serious when he needs to be serious, and funny when he needs to be funny, like like he was in the first movie, um, and you know, and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the, the the only thing that I would say about th- these is this is clearly pulled from like a like a casting sheet. Yeah. Uh, and it's every every turtle has the note that they are, you know, a voiceover for a lead character. And it can be any ethnicity, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. They're, they're not shooting for, like, all white dudes, you know. Yeah. Or just, do you, do half of them have to be black. Like, no, it's just whoever fits the role is is, what yeah. I'm, is the way I'm reading this.
1: I really want it to be kind of like it's always been in these films, unknowns instead of like a celebrity or, or, you know, whatever. But again, like as long as it, it is in service to the characters and the voice fits. Yeah. There's been some iterations where they just don't as, as much, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm not going to say which ones.
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> Seth Green, um, but that wasn't uh, Seth Green wasn't that bad. He wasn't. He was wasn't nearly okay, as bad. as but it was. He it wasn't was nearly
1: Seth, as bad Seth Green as being. I was like, I know that's not Leonardo. That's Seth Green as a turtle. Somebody he, he got him. better. He got better as the seasons went. You know, I'm just uh, saying. I'm not hating on Seth Green. I'm just like, uh, out of all the people, you know,
0: look, look, Corey Feldman was way worse. I think Quirrell was better than... (laughs) Uh, He was uh, such a trash Donatello man. Come on. Come on. Come Come on. on. Come on. Uh, Let's move on. Um, That does it for real news. Let's talk about... See... mm. (laughs) Just hating.
1: Just hating out there. What do you
0: you have to say about Shredder's Revenge? Because we know that's a game. We do know that's a game. Uh, What could we possibly have
1: learned this week? Well uh it was uh, nintendo's uh indie uh mini direct and um some more footage was shown uh they're still kind of keeping stuff you know you know kind of kind of short sweet and to the point they're not giving away a lot of like oh in you know showing you different levels showing you different bosses stuff like that um we got to see the turtles in action a bit more. They're they're a lot faster, more agile than they've been in previous games. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to see their super moves. Uh, probably my favorite is when all the foot are around Michelangelo, he does the freaking animation from the opening of the 87 cartoon, you know, swatting away, you know, all the weapon, you know, items that are getting chucked at him with his nunchucks, which is mm-hmm. great. That's a great crowd like dispersal move. Um Dantello goes all twister on everybody, hitting them with a bow staff. Uh Raphael does the same thing with his size out, and Leo does some kinda like weird twist in place multiple, you know, slasher cut attack. Um and we get probably shown one of the best things in this trailer, Bebop TV.
0: <laughs> I didn't even notice it the first time I watched it.
1: Like there's so many little touches and in, 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 in special things in this game that you can tell these guys are really just huge diehard fans. So, like, just to give you a breakdown of, of Bebop TV real quick, jazzercising with Bebop, um, cooking with Bebop, I think that was either selling you insurance or I'm a lawyer. Bebop, it was, like, from the, from the law offices of Bebop and Bebop. <laughs> Our cases are rock steady
0: wait um, isn't this just like on TVs in the background yeah like okay that's because it's, it's leading up
1: to something we find out that he' he's taken over channel six do we do we, do we learn that is yeah yeah it's shown oh. like he's in a freaking business suit and I'm like what this is, he's got no no I mean do,
0: do, do, like is there a payoff like at the end of the thing is he in a business suit fighting? you don't see him fighting
1: yeah, but i'm assuming he's like probably the final boss in that stage
0: It's possible yeah. I, it's it's hard for me to take any of this stuff seriously because yeah. it's it's just footage of a video game like i mean that's all it is I, mean, I don't care i'm excited <laughs> it's just footage <laughs> i don't care we get a little you're bit allowed more, to be excited I, it's yeah, just a little bit more of it uh the 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 key news takeaways from this is that it's going to be available on switch which we kind of knew, we assumed that was going to be, be the case.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, coming this
0: year. This year is the real news here, yeah. Yeah. Shredder's Revenge releasing this year, which there's still a lot of this year left, but... There is. But hey, I, I would assume around the holidays. Yeah. Or sooner. We'll, we will keep everyone updated. Yes, we will. Uh, what is What is your other little piece you want to talk about?
1: Um, as, as you guys remember from last time, uh, Judith Hoag has taken to, uh, taken over, uh, NECA on, uh, Turtle Tuesdays and with the April O'Neil takeover, uh, talking about her new action figure coming. We've had two new episodes, uh, since we, uh, you guys heard from us last. Um, you can check that out on the NECA's Instagram and you can also go to Judith Hoag's, um, YouTube channel and check out extended versions of that. You can also find her on Instagram, uh, and follow her for all that goodness. Uh, and updates. Um
0: I believe that about does it. Um there was one other thing that I saw. There it's not really thing. news. Um Yeah, this isn't really Turtles news, but it's Kids Kevin Eastman news. Um he got a uh, he got nominated for an Eisner. It's pretty dope. Yeah. I don't even know what an Eisner is.
1: I was like for the excellence of like, you know, of working in, you know, the comics medium, I believe. Let's see.
0: Uh, it's a, yeah, yeah, Will Eisner comic industry awards. OK, cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So so congratulations to Kevin Eastman for being nominated for an Eisner. Hopefully you win it. I hope so. That'd be cool. Yep. That would be cool. I guess that does it for all of our pre-show stuff before we get to our main topic we're going to take a quick break
2: (laughs) are
1: you a fan of comic books Are you a fan of comic book villains? Well, join me, Russell, as we take a walk on the dark side with Tomes of Evil, the podcast dedicated to discussing, analyzing, and overall glorifying the villains of Marvel Comics, DC Comics and all your favorite indie books. Tomes of Evil, a comic book villain podcast.
0: Jeff, what is our main topic today? We are diving back
1: in to my favorite uh, comic iteration of the
0: turtles. We're going back to IDW, baby. <laughs> Like I, I always ask you that, like it's some sort of hidden secret when it's literally in the name of the episode. But whatever, doesn't matter. IDW. For for this episode, we read issues twenty nine through thirty two, uh, the Shredder Micro, Utram Empire one through one through three, or the whole miniseries, and the twenty fourteen annual, written and uh, drawn by. Kevin Eastman. Mm-hmm. Uh, bef- what, do you have anything to say before we actually dive into the the, the issue, the issues themselves? I couldn't put them down. <laughs> you you couldn't put them down. No. Well, that's that's good to know. Yeah. Uh, it it, sh- it should be noted that all k- kind of everything that happens in these issues kind of happens all at once. There's a lot to take in. Yeah, because. In essence, the the, the the main run, the 29 through 30 32, is the that's the Northampton arc. And while the Northampton arc is happening, Baxter Stockman and the Fugitoid are going through this whole other adventure with Krang, and we're learning all about the history of uh, the Utrums and and the uh, Triceratons. We hear this like buddy cop music.
1: Like <laughs> 70s style. Like. <laughs> <laughs> guess one, I'd watch guess that the mustache show.
0: folks. I'd watch that show.
1: I oh, would too. The Flyman and the Fugitoid. He's
0: not. <laughs> he's not yet. But hey. Actually that, that's a really good. The the Flyman and him not be a fly. Would be a really good like callback.
1: Yeah. <laughs> somebody have to draw that i want to see that and and give the fugitoid
0: a mustache too yes like thick bushy mustache yeah okay. Aviators. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> mirrored of course <laughs> the, the fugitoid wearing aviators is really funny like basically just have both of those characters acting out the events of the sabotage video by the beastie boys. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's jump into the, or the first book of our run, uh, which is actually the shredder micro.
1: What a cover that is.
0: Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, the thing about the shredder micro is it kind of stands on its own. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it was released at the end of the giant arc that we just read. Um, Like last time, the City Fall arc. Mm -hmm. So like it doesn't really tie into that. It just kind of gives a backstory to Shredder as a character. Uh, At least the the Shredder that's in this version. Yeah. So as usual, I'm not going to hit every plot point here. um, But I'm just going to give an overview of the book itself. And this one is basically Kitsune. Is that how you pronounce her name? That's what I've always assumed. Yeah. Uh, Kitsune and, and shredder are talking and, and she, she's, and they're discussing basically how he was, uh, resurrected and she isn't quite sure how she did it or she doesn't know the fine details of how it works or, you know, where he was or whose body he was inhabiting. Like he, it was all magic and she's kind of confused too, even though she's a magic being, uh, but Shredder describes this dream he was having or he just kind of is remembering what it was like to during the time that he was dead or during the time in between when he you know, went into his sarcophagus thing and when he was re- reborn. And what he describes is this limbo-type hell uh, where warriors just kind of go to fight just infinitely. And he meets this little... Elf-looking guy uh, who knows who he is and was, expe- was expecting him to arrive, but knows that he's not there forever and he's there early. Like, it's this very ominous, like, we know you're going to get resurrected, but it's good to see you, bro. Let's go – let's hang out for a little while. Basically. <laughs> yeah. So – he he's stuck in this land with all these warriors from different times and and they just have these blank zombie-like faces on them and their entire existence is just war just constant fighting and when uh and, and of course Shredder is not just he he's not that doesn't do anything for Shredder like he he's, he doesn't fight to to fight he fights for power you know so he very quickly became the ruler of all these people by basically saying, I'm your boss now. And they said, okay, because they're m- pretty much mindless zombies, right? Yeah. Uh, he fights his way to what I'm just going to call is, is the home office of this this, this limbo land thing. Uh, and he kills the, the, the samurai-looking guy who is running the place only to find out that, that he's his own father. The, <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. He kills the samurai guy and he, and he finds out that, oh, it's actually sh- it's Shredder. It's him in the future, like an old version of him. And, you know, obviously that kind of messes with his head. Uh, and by the end of the issue, you know, Shredder has basically been told you're going to you're you're going to have power. You're going to lead. You're going to destroy. You're, you're going to be one of the most powerful beings the world has ever seen but shredder is basically says none of that matters. If I kill myself in this limbo afterlife, Mm. so I'm going to become so powerful that when that point in my life comes in limbo, I will kill my younger self and I will be the ultimate being or basically he wants to conquer everything, including the afterlife. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a very fascinating window into Shredder's psyche because all of this happens in like flashbacks or or memories or dreams or, or it's just just this 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 uh they they, 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 they I don't want to say inconsistent but it, it's just it's consistent in that we don't know exactly what it is it's either a dream or a flashback or or, or a memory but either way. This is what's floating around in Shredder's mind, and it's part of what's driving him uh, and creating the, the evil man that we all know. Yeah. What did you think of this issue? I really enjoyed it
1: um, a lot. Um, anytime we get to find out more about him, you know, because there's, there's, there's multiple different versions of this character, um, but he didn't give everything away. There's still stuff that he's holding back, you know. The artworks, I, I really
0: enjoy the art uh, in this one. It was, let's see, who did the art in this? So, Dan Duncan. Dan Duncan. Um, yeah, which he was, he was the first artist on the the main turtles book for the first like twelve issues. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I would, I'm pr- I'm just gonna come out and say this is his best looking book. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Like most without time. a doubt. Uh, he actually helped write this one. I think Dan Duncan is a huge fan of Shredder. I could be wrong, but I mean, I think he is. I mean, if you got to go with like one of the best
1: bad guys in, in in media history, I mean, he's definitely
0: got you know the longevity here. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, the art in this look looks amazing. I, I love that it adds uh, like mystery to the Shredder character. It yeah. fleshes out his. I, I know we say this every time we do a micro, but it fleshes out the story. It lets you know the character's motivations and where they come from.
1: And it's not just a one-off. Like, okay, well, we got you know we got to you know we got to put out X number of books this month. And it's not that. It's everything in these books. It's all in service of the story and the characters. Mm-hmm. So I'm never. I I haven't really found one yet that I just didn't enjoy on some level yeah
2: yeah uh
0: and and specifically this this uh this limbo world that that's introduced here comes back later uh and and kind of plays uh a big part in a in a shredder specific uh miniseries that i'm not even going to mention the name of because that kind of gives away like spoilers and stuff but
1: i have an idea but
0: we're not going <laughs> to tell anybody. Right. Uh I dig this. You know, you know I'm not a huge shredder guy, but the reason I'm not a huge shredder guy is because we usually don't get these details. With yeah. these details, shredder is in, infinitely more interesting. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Instead of so, being one dimensional.
0: Right, right. Let's move on to issue number 29. 29. 29. This is uh so so This is following the basically the escape from New York after the events of Cityfall uh, to to kind of throw out a reminder here. The the Cityfall arc is the arc where Leonardo is brainwashed by Kitsune and the Shredder and basically becomes Shredder's second in command. Uh, This arc here deals with the fallout from that uh, and also doubles as their Northampton arc uh because every good turtle story has a northampton arc am i right you are right uh kind of makes me want to go on vacation to i i want to i want to take a picture outside of northampton like like you know like the exit sign for northampton in you know whatever state this is in massachusetts is that we got to get is? a van you got Yeah get, get get a get a vw microbus and park it next to the northampton sign i don't know if we want to go that retro so some changes I guess need to be announced up front here uh, while the book is still being written by Eastman and Waltz uh this one actually has Bobby Karno credited credited as a, a a writer typically he's just the uh the the the, the editor and producer of the entire thing so yeah. this actually says that he has has a story credit but Sophie Campbell this is the first issue where she has art basically art Control of the main book, and I have so much to say. You have so much to say. I have okay. So much to say. Do you want to say it now? No, I want to save it. I want to okay. save. It. So issue number twenty nine. Uh, it starts with them arriving in Northampton, uh, and the, the the situation is uh, Northampton. The, the the farmhouse that we all have you know have grown to love is in this story owned by April's parents. And it's kind of on the same property as their actual house in Northampton. It's, it's kind of a you you can stay in this barn. Just don't make any noise because we don't want to alert my parents who yeah. are in the real house. Yeah. Which is kind of like that's realistic. Usually there's not just an, an abandoned house that they can live in. Uh, so they get. Settled in there, Leonardo is completely screwed, uh, because he he's still questioning his allegiance. He doesn't really understand what happened to him, but he feels bad for his actions, but doesn't feel the emotional connection to Splinter and his brothers like he used to. Yeah. So he's he's just very much lost. Uh and, and that and that kind of that's that's present through the entire four issues here. Mm-hmm. Uh, very shortly after their arrival, uh, we find out that Alopex actually followed them. And if you remember from the last issue, Alopex attacked the Shredder. Like, at the, at the, the you know, the big moment at the very end, you know, the big climax of the story, Alopex switches sides. And, and we learned that that's because uh, of the events that happened in Alopex's micro, which was Shredder killed her family. Yeah. You know, which is a, that, that's a decent reason to switch sides. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh obviously, uh so Raphael is very doubtful that that's actually happened and gets very angry very fast with Alex. And they kind of bicker back and forth through this entire uh, four issue arc uh, as she is trying to earn uh, earn some sort of uh respect or place within the family. It it th- this this version of the story very much mirrors Ninjara. Yeah. You know, uh, an additional female character that is a fox that has, you know, I don't want to say an emotional relationship with Raphael, but like Raphael hanging out with foxes is a thing. Yeah. So uh, moving on. There's a lot of bickering back and forth trying to figure out if Alapex is, you know, on the is is a good guy or bad guy. If she's going to lead the shredder and his goons to uh, Northampton, they don't know what's going on. Splinter has to step in a couple of times and be like, you have got to stop fighting. You know, April and her, you know, April has given us a roof to sleep under and you are going to blow our cover and ruin everything that we, you know, we're trying to, to get away from because of your petty bickering I'm willing to trust her for now. You should, too. Calm down. And that still doesn't stop the fighting, um, because for a while, Leonardo just walks away. Yeah. You know, who knows where he went. Uh, uh, Alopex also is just like, I'll see you when I see you. But, of course, she's, she sticks around. Uh, we learn that April's father is sick, or he's recovering from, was it surgery? Why is he sick? I forget. Stroke. He had a stroke. That's correct. Uh, and he used to work for Stock Gen. Uh, and, of course, in this version, April is not a reporter. She is a scientist, or at least a... a a uh, What's it called? When Student? you don't get... An intern. 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 Yeah, basically a scientist intern, uh, much like she was in the original comic book. So she was basically following in the footsteps of her father uh, by getting a job at Stock Gen and... and and trying to work next to Baxter Stockman. Her father had to quit because of the stroke. He just couldn't keep, you know, keep the work up. Uh, And him and his, him and his wife or April's mom uh, are now living in Northampton at that house, basically trying to get him through his recovery period. Uh, At this point, April and Casey are an item. Yeah. And April is introducing Casey as, as such uh, to her parents. So that's a, that's a fun little wrinkle uh, to the story. Mm. Uh, and we basically end the book with a lot of uncertainty. Uh, Leonardo is still disillusioned. Uh, Raphael is angry. Alapex is, is, is kind of just watching over the entire situation. Uh, did I say splinter is injured? Yeah, Yeah. I said that already. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very much a, a team that's broken that needs to heal. Uh, both physically and emotionally. Jeff, what did you think about issue 29?
1: Oh, God, man. Like, I'm always going to do this. I'm always going to gush about Sophie's art because not only does she have a masterful command of colors and detail and the ability to show and, and convey a, a range of multiple emotions, I actually could empathize with how they all felt, what they were going through. I haven't felt that like with any other books. Like it just completely pulled me in. And I I never get tired of her art. She is my number one favorite Turtles artist. Oh, Wow. Period. Okay.
0: Like, at least for the IDW stuff. Okay. Um, I don't know if I would put her at number one, but she's up there. Like, she's top three, without a doubt. I mean, I, I made my choice. <laughs>
1: I said what I said. I said what I said. Um, there's so many panels in here that are just breathtaking. Um, Uh, when you see the, there's an aerial view of, of, of the farmhouse. That's, that's really, really cool. It's a nice big splash page. Um, and, uh, let's see, where is it? And then at the end of the issue where you see the turtle, you know, it's nighttime. The turtles are going to sleep. Leo's out at the lake. And then that last shot with Alopex, just kind of behind a tree looking just the lighting that man, I got to make that a wallpaper or something. Uh, it's mm. just, oh, man, it's, it's so good. It's so breathtaking. <sighs> like there's a part where, you know, everybody's arguing because of Alopex and stuff. And then, you know, splinter says, you know, enough. And, uh, Leo, you know, you know, when Leo says to him, save your command, Joshi, you're not my master. And just, oh, I just broke my heart. I was like, oh my God, would you say that? <laughs>
0: that's master splinter. What are you and doing? I was like,
1: hey, that's your daddy. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, come on, man. You know? Yeah. It just, oh, it hurts. Like, I just felt everything in this issue. Yeah. Yeah. And, and
0: her art it, it is, like the the window to that emotion, like it's it's very, I, I don't even know how to describe it. I don't, I don't have words for why her art works so well as an emotional tool, but I do have words for uh, how it's drawn differently. So, yeah. coming off the last issues that were done done by the fantastic uh, Mateus Santaloco. Yeah, he draws the Ninja Turtles as a bit more fierce, you know, they're warriors. They're, they're, they're ninjas. They know how to fight. Right. Yeah. And that's really a piece of their personality. What can, can't be forgotten about the teenage mutant Ninja Turtles is that they're teenagers. And so they're, they're, they're in between being children and being adults and, yeah. it, and, Everyone who's been a teenager a teenager before, which I would assume would be all of us, like, we remember times where when we were teenagers, but we were still children. Like, we may have looked like teenagers or looked like adults, but emotionally we were still children. And Sophie's art, I'm not going to say it's childlike, but there is a youthfulness to the, the, the way she shapes the turtles. And I feel like that's perfect for this story because it's very much a story about the turtles learning how to become adults. They learn a lot in this arc, and it, you're, it's almost like she's drawing the emotional side of the turtles' age. Exactly. Yeah. So I I love it. Oh yeah. I, I I've been gushing about the Northampton arc. When we interviewed her, I was like, I loved that. I loved those books, you yeah. know, went out of my way to make sure she knew how good these were because they're that good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like the, uh, introduction of April's parents. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not really a, a, an avenue that we've seen that much, you know, we've seen her dad in the Nick show, but he was mutated for most of that. Ron Howard. Yeah. <laughs> Uh we've never really seen her mom uh in the original comics. She doesn't have a parents or she has adopted parents, but not parents' parents. Like yeah. yeah, it's so so it's cool. It's cool. Especially since we have a Casey's dad. Yeah, it makes sense to have a an April's April's dad. Right. Any final thoughts or nuggets?
1: Um when we when we get to see April's dad, he kind of looks like Rob Paulson a little bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> with a beard I was like oh hey Rob okay well then let's let's move on to the, our next issue and this one uh, we're gonna go in reading order quote-unquote uh, it's it's gonna be a little back and forth but we're gonna cover Utram Empire issue one yeah uh, this was a three-issue miniseries uh, and while the turtles are I guess self-exiled in uh, Northampton, uh, other characters are very much up to stuff. So this story is very much about Baxter Stockman, uh, Krang, and the Fugitoid. And through this story, we we get to see basically the next steps of the Turtles' story. Like this, the Turtles are going to have to deal with the Technodrome at some point, point. Mm-hmm. and Donatello knows that. This is basically the framework that. That future story is built upon. Uh, The the Fugitoid is on Burno Island, which is where the the Technodrome is being uh, assembled. He has decided to kill himself or destroy himself or you know, melt down his robot body because he doesn't want to help Krang build the Technodrome because the Technodrome is designed to terraform Earth and make it livable for the, uh, the Utrems. And he's like, I can't help with that. Uh, so he tries to kill himself. He's reassembled by Baxter Stockman. Uh, simultaneously there, t- a, 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 another story is woven into this. And, and that is basically the story of how Krang became the leader of the utrams mm-hmm. and their, Relationship to the Triceratons. We learned very early in in the uh, the book that Utrams came to Earth and they found Triceratops, Triceratopses, Triceratopses. Sure. <laughs> uh, they, they, they found the dinosaur, the it's Triceratops. Tra- triceratops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, t- took the DNA and created the Triceratons. Uh, and created them as this warrior uh, species and used them because they're nearly indestructible because they're giant and, you know, made of dinosaur. Yeah. Uh, and they used the might of the Triceraton army to conquer world after world after world. Uh, very much uh, like England did their, you know, colonizing, just... Showing up to a planet, taking it over, moving to the next planet, taking it over, not really caring for the details of how do we sustain this massive empire. You
1: know, I had almost completely forgotten that, that 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 Britain took over other planets. Thank you for reminding yes, me.
0: Yes, yes, exactly how the British Empire took over Mars.
1: Good, good. Okay, yeah.
0: yeah. I thought I was the only one that remembered that. <laughs> Uh, Baxter Stockman, it, it, back in present day, Baxter Stockman uh, reassembles the Fugitoid, not really knowing that this guy used to be Chet, who works for him, yeah, and not really knowing that the Fugitoid could help with the 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 uh, the technodrome, and basically not knowing much about what who he just reassembles, right? Mm. Uh, we also learn there there's a lot of story in this, by the way. We learned that over time, the Triceratons are tired of basically being the enslaved military for the the Utrams. And they also realize, hey, we're bigger and stronger, and now we're pretty smart. So we're just going to revolt and and rebel and kill them, kill all of you. And at this point, this is when Krang's father was in charge. Uh, and his father was just way he, he, very greedy and opulent, and 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 just we're gonna win. The, the might of the Krang or the might of the Utrum Empire will 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 never fall. And and all the way up until the point that they're going to fall, he always had the mindset of we're better than the, the Triceratons. We're like we're better than this. We will win. And Krang, I, I don't know if it's in this issue. I don't think it's in this one, but Krang basically he uh, crowns himself as the the, the protector of the Utram race. Seeing the inevitability of this war driving them to extinction, he places the responsibility on him on, on himself to keep 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 the species alive. This uh we cut to the turtles uh, and Donatello is digging through stuff at the uh, at, at at the uh, the farmhouse, and he fa- he 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 finds one of Chet's old uh, briefcases that he that he had brought with him, I think, or April had stashed for him or whatever. Uh, and in it are basically the plans for the Technodrome. Yeah. So the the plans that that or or the yeah the plans that, that the Fugitoy don't you know he doesn't want to to get to Krang are there's a copy of them in Northampton. It's not just in us. It's not just the plans, but it's it's his entire journal. Yes, yes. Well, if we close out the the issue with Baxter Stockman deciding he's going to hit Krang where it hurts, and he's going to commit genocide and kill all of the re- remaining utrams that are in stasis, the ones that that Krang has been trekking across the galaxy so they'll have a place to live on Earth that's cold-blooded oh real cold-blooded like he he, he's just like i'm not playing with you anymore krang i'm gonna kill all your family it's really really harsh and the fugitoid is like he's probably not wrong but i can't let him commit genocide like (laughs) the fugitoid knows hey these these utrams need a place to live and earth is not the place for that for that but again i can't let him commit genocide
1: it's kind of a moral
0: gray area you know I don't he's think like, it is. I, I don't but, think it is.
1: No, he's like kind of half and half on it though, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Like he unders, I, I think he understands Stockman's motivations.
1: Yeah. That's what I meant.
0: Like he, yeah,
1: he, uh, I, I, I should
0: probably stop that, but I get it. <laughs> yes. You know? I hate that you're making me stop this. Cause this is a really <laughs> effed up thing you're doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, there, there's a lot of story in 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 these books, but it's a lot of backstory that I absolutely love. Yes, I love exposition dumps that make the world make more sense. What do you think of issue one? I again, I I was
1: just I was hooked the entire time. I mean, I I really don't have much that I did not enjoy Uh, seeing drunk Krang's celebrating with a (laughs) drunk that's Zog. Um, Yeah. Zog. That was, that was hilarious. But like, I feel bad for Krang. Like it really just feels like he just really cares about his people. His father's like, no, I I don't care. And it's like, it's it's a side
0: of Krang that I didn't think that we would see. Right, right. Like, I, 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 I never – going into this, I never thought, hey, they're going to paint Krang to be the savior of his species. Mm-hmm. You know, which on paper is a good quality. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and and a good bad guy is a bad guy that you kind of root for or you understand their motivations or you're like – you're doing the right thing, but – you're going about it the wrong way. Right. You know, it's it's the it's the Magneto argument. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I l- freaking love the the Ultram M- M- Empire uh three issues. Like the the fact that they contextualized the existence of triceratons on other planets mm-hmm. is mind-blowing. Like it doesn't make sense. For trist, like triceratops like beings to be on other planets that doesn't make sense. Yeah, but it does unless now. yeah unless yeah unless you harvest their DNA and make new a, a new species on another planet like it's genius absolutely genius. Yeah, you got any nuggets in this uh, this issue? Nuggets here. Uh, I loved
1: seeing the uh, the Zog versus Krang fight like it mm-hmm. kind of goes back and forth between like wait what's happening now and what was happening then or mm-hmm. it's a, it that was a little confusing to
0: me a little bit um yeah you you definitely have to pay pay attention because they they don't make it clear hey this is back then hey this is now hey this is back then you know yeah yeah um but that
1: was that was really cool uh I really really enjoyed that
0: yeah yeah let's let's keep it moving let's keep it moving. moving uh this next issue is number thirty uh this one starts off uh very much like the uh, I think issue was at eleven in the original com- comics uh, where April is writing a in a journal uh, it's it's also mirrored in the the the, the original movie uh, except instead of it being April it's Michelangelo. Yeah, the Michelangelo journaling thing ends t- turns into him being the narrator for the majority of the book. Uh, it it, it does have, you know, of course, the dialogue of the characters in the scenes, but uh, there is kind of a, a commentary happening on top of that, all you know, from the point of of, of Michelangelo, uh, which is adorable because of course he's. You know, there was one page where he's like, "Let's just say it's the ultimate suck," you know, so. Yeah. It's 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 told in his voice, which is the right character I, I I feel like yeah for it to come from. uh We see a big opening scene with Alapex and raf They're still um, kind of butting heads because he doesn't trust her, and and she's like, I don't care if you trust me, but I'm not gonna you know stab you in the back. I'm not I'm not here for that. Blah 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 blah. And she gives her whole backstory as to why she's angry. Uh, and D- Donatello is starting to worry more about the Technodrome because uh, the, the, obviously that is the next big thing that they're going to have to deal with. And in this case, it is literally a global conflict because if they fail, the entire world could be terraformed. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're dropped directly into Leonardo. Uh, having a fever dream about, uh, demons and forests. Uh, and he, he ends up having like a, like a spiritual meeting with his, his mother, Tang Shin, his mother from the, if you follow along, you know what I mean by his mother because of the reincarnation aspect of the story. Yeah. Uh, and it was a real, it it was a real, real moment for him. You know, seeing his mom, remembering that that's his mom and who he, and him starting to better understand who he is as a as a as a per, I don't I guess not a person, but as a turtle or just as a being a turtle man, a turtle man, <laughs> you know, uh, tension is very important in this issue. Like she she steps in and and helps guide Leo back to the light and. Uh, and then later in the issue, she does basically the same thing for, for Splinter. Mm-hmm. You know, Splinter is 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 physically ailing. Uh, he has kind of lost control of his children. Uh, one of them is is actively defying him and 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 was fighting for his enemy. So so he's both spiritually and physically broken. But Tang Shen shows up and 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 helps him gather his thoughts and gather himself. Uh, and pushes him to regain control and 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 bring everyone back together. Uh, April and Casey continue their 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 adventure, meeting the parents, and more and more conversations are happening about April's dad working for Stockgen. And there's apparently there's some paperwork that uh, April's mom is like, hey, here, look over this. Maybe you can figure it out. And they're they're talking a lot about the ooze, the ooze. What does the ooze do? Blah 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 blah. And and we'll get to that. We'll get to that in in future issues. And again, all of this is told with you know with the 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 Mikey narration interspersed. By the end of the issue, a lot of the characters are kind of are, are kind of not getting back to normal, but you see the normalcy begin to return. Uh, there there's a there's a campfire scene where the whole family is there including splinter and even alopex they they invite alopex to come over and have a hot dog you know yeah. uh a, a, the the metaphorical olive branch uh which instead of holding an olive it holds a hot dog in this ca- in this scenario yeah uh so so it's 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 very much an, an issue of this is us getting back on our feet uh, and we're left with a cliffhanger uh a new character this is this is the first the first appearance of this character, right, Koya? Yes. I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, 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 uh, yeah, Sophie Campbell was the first to draw Koya. I knew that. Mm-hmm. So, what'd you think? Another cracker. An- another cracker. Another cracker,
1: man. Just you know, another great issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, I mean.
0: The pacing is
1: really really good. It really is. Like every everybody has kind of time um it, all the all the characters are kind of given their equal, you know, moment. Um and again Sophie's art just shines so much especially uh in this issue especially during the uh, the night scenes uh mm. with you know, the colors of like, you know, dark and blacks and blues and just shading is just, just really, really nice. Yeah. Um and you know, I talked about the last uh issue that she worked on, you know, just she's just so good at conveying emotions mm-hmm. and just you you feel what they're feeling, or at least I do. Um Yeah when they're upset when they're sad i mean you can just you just you feel for these characters and what they're going through especially alopex um having gone through everything that she's going through and having to deal with Raphael, and she just gets to a point to where she had it and she's like look (laughs) (laughs) you know and that's that's really nice um to see and then finally Raphael kind of gets what happened and um you know just for that i would say for now for that moment he's kind of backed
0: off yeah yeah um, he he's he, he's starting to empathize yeah yeah uh, um w- one thing that i'll give these issues but and sp- very specifically this one is and, and it goes back to pacing like in a lot of turtles media especially in tv shows the action feels forced in a lot of scenarios, uh, almost like they have to meet a quota. It's like every, every episode has to have six minutes of action. Yeah. You know, we got to keep those kids attention. Well, with these IDW comics, that's, that's clearly not a mandate. There's not a fight scene in this issue. Yeah. You know, there's like, there's a little bit of action in like the Leonardo stuff, but he's not fighting anything except his demons. Yeah, and it's just one page, and it's self-reflective, and overall the issue is a very quiet issue. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and it's 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 a welcome change. It's 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 a welcome thing that we don't get often in turtles media.
1: Yeah, and you know, I mean, I love action, and of course pacing and stuff like that. And in some movies, if there's not much going on or whatever, I do tend to kind of lose focus. But in this case, it's, it's all in service again of the characters and, uh, it's just done so incredibly well. Like, I mean, it's like, I don't even care if there's no action. Yeah. You're engaged the whole time.
0: That is correct. Let's talk about Ultraman Empire 2. If we have to. Yeah. Yeah, we do. This issue opens with a, with a pretty, pretty, uh, a big thing, uh, Baxter has been knocked out by the, the fugitoid, and the tanks that hold the ooze that is preserving the the Ootrams are actively leaking. And the fugitoid is like, hey, hey, bro, you're, you your boys. Your you boys are dying <laughs> uh, to to Krang, and Krang's like, what? You know, don't distract me. There's a hurricane happening. And he's like, nah, bro, <laughs> you're going to want to see this. Uh, and and that and of course Crank springs into action to act to to turn on the the, the generators or whatever to refill the ooze canisters uh, to yet again save his his species uh, in in the story in that's happening in Dimension X years ago uh, we we we're, we're seeing more of the the Triceraton and Utram war uh and how it's wearing down the Utram just uh, civilization and how there's really no coming back from it. Uh, the, the the only big thing that really happens in that story. Is Krang. Is held hostage by. Uh, Zog. Gun to his. I wouldn't say head. But gun to his brain. And basically say I'm going ki- to. One one step closer I'm going to kill this thing. Right. And this thing of course being Krang. Uh, Krang's father. The king of the Utrams. U- is. He surrenders and gets Krang back. And then when Krang is like, why didn't you just let him kill me? Like, that was the key. You don't have to protect me like I'm your heir. And his father was like, no, you're the future of the the, the, the Utrum civilization. Uh, you are the future king. And that upsets Krang because he's like, you're not taking the species into consideration when making these decisions you just don't want me to die because you need an heir. And like, that is kind of an emotional breaking point for Krang where Krang is like, I can't trust my father to lead us anymore. He's lost his way. The only thing that matters is the future of our race, Uh, which is a great way to end this, the, the, the second issue of this, this arc for, you know, for those characters. Agreed. Oh, uh, as for the Baxter, uh, Fugitoid crank story. At this point, Baxter is pretty upset with the Fugitoid for knocking him out and not letting him uh, commit genocide. So he he sticks a flyborg on him. Uh, the Fugitoid very quickly bl- <laughs> blows it up with a with a gun uh, and attacks Baxter, only reinforcing the, the the fact that we already knew Baxter Stockman is not a fighter at all. Uh, there's a scene with the turtles. We don't really learn much uh, in that scene. Uh, just reinforcing that Donatello knows he has to help do something about the Technodrome. Um, Krang successfully turns the generators back on, saves his saves his people again. Uh, that's it. That's pretty much it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it it very much ends on a on a I don't want to say cliffhanger, you know, because obviously the two stories they're telling aren't over yet. I mean, technically, he's on a cliff. But he is on a cliff. Well, <laughs> he, he just fell off a cliff. Yeah. But I, I feel like, as I said before, that this is the, the emotional turning point of the Crane character. And his actions in the present day line up perfectly with his commitment that he makes ages ago. To his people, what'd you think of issue two?
1: man, this is just its just get, it's just getting better and better. yeah, um, probably the one thing that we have to note the most about this issue um, is in the beginning when the Fugitoid takes Baxter, throws him in the closet. we later realized that Baxter did not skip leg day because he kicks that thing off the hinges <laughs> and escapes okay? yeah so yeah. his 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 uh his leg game is strong
0: even I, though I'm powered by anger
1: yeah and even though the rest of him is not so much
0: um, yeah well it turns out when you t- when you attack a robot you kind of have to come with something pretty uh fierce <laughs> yeah fierce
1: yeah yeah it's going to be hitting the gym after this. um, And kind of as you go forward, you just continue to feel, you know, more empathetic towards Krang. And it's not something I ever thought I would say about this character. Right, um, right. The designs do look a little odd for their heads. It looks like they have slices of pizza hanging off their heads at all times. <laughs> like a good, you know, foldable slice of pizza which is kind of weird
0: yeah just just dangling there and i was like come on man just flip that flip it back you yeah. know um considering though like i'm not a huge fan of andy coon's like art like at all but mm-hmm. i think limiting the number of turtles he draws it, it really helps his his art shine
1: yeah i mean i i enjoy it it's not my favorite um but uh, especially when you get to see those action scenes, like with the uh, with Zog taking on some of the Utrams, mm-hmm. or Utrams, or however you want to say it, um, that's those panels are really nice. Um, and even even the night sequences uh, with you know with the
0: different colors and stuff like that, yeah. um, I and do he- rather enjoy. Yeah, he did, a, he did a good job of making the Utrams look different enough that you know what they are. You know which, which ones they are. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm sure that's very hard to do.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like making a clone in Clone Wars, you know, look different from all, you know, 5,000, you know, other different, you know, versions.
0: This one has a goatee. <laughs> uh, I, I, like, the, the, the last thing is... is the fugitoid is, is very aware of the situation that he's in. Like multiple times in this arc, he, he mentions that he's stuck between two evils and he's having to manage the situation knowing that both of these people have like are, are actively working to destroy either the earth or each other. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's wild that he's so self-aware about that. Uh, also, Think about it. Think about it this way. Given the chance, like he literally the fugitoid saved the utrams to give Krang a chance to commit genocide on the other end. Yeah, because that's what Krang wants to do is he wants to take over the, the world and commit genocide to kill all the humans. So half dozen. what's it? Six of one, a half a dozen of the other. Yeah. Do you have anything else before we move on? Um, oh, freaking uh,
1: fugitoid going all Rambo style on on the flyboard there with the freaking gun. That was awesome. <laughs> he makes short work of the flyboard. He it does, just like completely decimates him. Yeah. Um, he's angry with that gun. I was like, man, I haven't seen him angry like that before. That was kind of cool to see. Um, other than that, um, that's about all that I've got for that. Okay. All right.
0: Well, then let's move to issue 31, uh, Northampton part three. This issue opens up with kind of a, f- a familiar, uh, trope, uh, and that is Casey and Donatello working on a vehicle mm-hmm. in the barn, just like the movie. Yeah. It's not a car, it's they're working on a motorcycle, but hey, it has the same feel to it. After that, we see Raphael practicing some tai chi, uh and she, he gets approached by Alapex in a very flirty scene where they just kind of playfully spar. Yeah. And and Alapex gets the best of him. So so clearly there's some there's some sparks or something here. Mhm. Uh because you know, Raphael loves the foxes. Yeah. Uh, Leonardo is g- getting getting better at understanding who he is. Splinter approaches uh, Leonardo with some some words of wisdom. You know, it's one of those old old tales that you use to to to, to teach your children. You know, the right from wrong, what 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 are you know the, the how to be a good ninja, I guess, or whatever. The all of that culminates in Splinter returning him his blue mask. Because he hasn't worn it since the shredder, you know, took over his mind. He mm-hmm. he wore that that black mask for almost for about half of City Fall. So uh the the return of this is the return of Leonardo is what is what this is. And we'll see that come full circle in this issue, but we're not there yet. Uh April got a haircut. Uh got a short little haircut, and and Casey likes it. Uh Where their story kind of goes, she reveals that she has a vial of mutagen, or ooze, as she refers to it. And this vial, uh, she's been studying it because she's an amateur scientist, and she believes that it will help cure her father. She holds on to that, and she's like, I'm going to give this to my dad. And that doesn't happen this issue, but it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the turtles are hanging out in their little barn, eating some pizza, uh, and it looks like sandwiches. Yeah, that's kind of weird. There's pe- maybe those are old pizza boxes. Maybe. Maybe they're just eating sandwiches. No big deal. And then, out of nowhere, from this through the ceiling, a brand new mutant named Koya, who is looks to be, is that an an owl or a? That's that's a straight up eagle. That's an eagle. Got to be an eagle. Are we sure? I mean, look at those talons. There's yeah, there's definitely talons. Koya, let me let me. Go, I've never even given two thoughts about what kind of bird Koya is. A brown falcon. Koya was Shredder's pet falcon. That makes a, sense. Can't be a blue falcon because that's copyright. Can't be a captain falcon. Ooh. At least not yet. Nope. She hasn't been promoted. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so she busts through the ceiling with a, a bunch of weird looking. Do, do we know what kind of foot ninjas these are? Uh, like foot assassins, I guess, is, yeah. is how is how uh, Splinter refers to them. Yeah. And we get the first big fight scene of this of this arc.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and the the one key takeaway here is Raphael immediately assumes that it was Alopex who told on them who revealed their location and he attacks Alopex and Alopex is like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm trying to fight them. Why are you fighting me? Uh, and Koya is dangerous. Very like, yeah, just very, very aggressive. Like Wolverine Wolverine with wings. Wolverine with wings. Yes. And angry. Well, Koya is very angry. Wolverine's always angry. And, uh, by the end of the issue, uh, the, the foot clan is getting the best of the turtles. Like they're, they're kind of getting their, the floor wiped with them, you know, and Leonardo shows up and this is the first time Leonardo has really fought the foot like straight up since he had his, you know, since he was brainwashed. And that final scene where he's like, uh, where Koya asks, are you prepared for the slaughter? And then Leo just steps up and he says, that's funny bird. I was going to ask you the same thing. Just mm, so such a, there's a lot of words I can't say on this podcast that I want to say about that line. All the chills. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's the line that gives you goosebumps as you close the book and you're angry that you have to wait another month to read, to read the follow up. Yeah. So, That's that's issue 31. What are your thoughts? You know,
1: it's just getting better and better. I already said that, (laughs) but it's again, it's just it's so hard to find any kind of like fault with these with these issues. Except April's new haircut. I'm really a fan of the short hair.
0: I like it. I like it. It's It's a little pixie Uh, cut. It's fine.
1: It's not my taste, but, you know, that's okay.
0: Yeah.
1: It's Um, not your hair, Jeff, so. Well, that is true. Doesn't matter. That's true. That's true. Whatever. Some antics. Um, I really enjoyed the panels with Raphael and Alapax. And, uh, again, you know, just Alopex's sadness throughout, you know, these issues where she just still feels like she doesn't belong anymore. Of course, a lot of us have felt that way, you know, in one, at one point or another in our lives. Yeah. So I, I, can, I can relate, you know, to her in, in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love their sparring. I love that, you know, that little flirtation. Um, I, I I want more of this, you know, going forward. yeah uh, let's see.
0: Um, I really like Koya. like
1: I like the introduction of different types of characters in the sense of it being just like not what we're used to. So like I don't recall us ever having like a you know, well, we don't count a
0: stuck you can like say don't say we don't know anything out of, about birds yeah there's definitely mutant birds well there are there are but
1: um you know it's it's nice to see a different take um I was like where are they coming from are they mutants or are they just you know what, what's the deal you know I'm sure we'll find out more about uh Koya um uh, as we go forward uh yeah. um but the 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 man the fight sequences were just oh god they're just framed so nicely and again sophie's art is just immaculate yeah
0: um yeah.
1: where yeah. there's a there's a panel where um koya is is fighting the turtles and splinter and it takes up the entire top panel to where and i love this about her art where the the action just seems to leap off the page. Yeah. Instead of adhering to the panels, and that's not something that you really see a whole lot of. Um, and I really, really dig that.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I, I can't, I can't agree enough. Uh, if, if we're talking about Koya, I, I definitely want to point out a a design choice. That Mm -hmm. really aids the character's, um, uh, I I guess, aggression. So when you draw a bird that's humanoid, you have a couple of choices, right? You could go A-stuck style and -hmm. just have a humanoid bird with wings. Or you can do what they did here with with, uh, Koya and have the wings be part of her arms, so like every time she punches or every time she, you know, swings her arms around, her her uh like her wings are always there. They're always in place. They're always monopolizing the panel and it really makes her seem very scary. Yeah. And I don't think it would be nearly as scary if she she just had a pair of wings sitting on her back. Yeah, cuz you see that a lot. Like the wings are separate from the arms. Yeah.
1: Um and I don't re- I don't really like that. I like I really dig this um this style. I mean, I get it for like the sake of like saving animation costs.
2: <laughs>
1: you know? But that doesn't really work as well as it does with uh uh with this. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: I I agree. Uh you got any nuggets?
1: I legit thought you were gonna say, "Well, she looks like she was a, you know, a member of the, uh, the Kiss Army."
0: Uh, no, no. At no, some no. point, uh, does a little bit. Um. Uh, you know, Koya, that Juggalo-looking bird.
1: <laughs> I really dig the foot assassins. They just look creepy as all get out. Those,
0: their finger knives don't make sense to me, but you know, they don't. But, you know, whatever. (laughs) We've seen dumber-looking Foot Clan members. This is true. This is true. Uh, Let's move to the grand finale of the Northampton arc. Uh, Issue 32. So, we talked about how there was no action (laughs) in the Northampton arc. Well, they rectified that with part four. Mm -hmm. Uh, this, This book... For the, the large part, is a long action sequence. Uh, it is the the turtles having to deal with Koya and the uh, foot assassins uh, that have invaded the the barn, and we they they, they, they continue the, the the Raph and Alapex ongoing argument of you know whether or not she's there to help them or hurt them, uh, and of course at this point Raphael's like Nah, you called them. And so he he attacks her, and then uh, there's a reckoning later in the issue about that, uh, where uh, basically Alapex is like, look, I was worried they were here to kill me, because they have every reason to want to kill me, just like they want to kill you. That's why I hesitated. That's why, you know, I was surprised at what they were doing. It, it's. She was able to prove to Raph, hey, I didn't call them. Yeah. And he immediately feels bad. He should.
2: <laughs>
0: Big jerk. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. He's been he's being more jerky than normal. You're right. You're you're absolutely right. Um, the 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 ruckus that is happening at the uh at at at, at the barn has has kind of alerted Casey and April and her parents, and and so they're they're going out there to investigate. Uh, including April's mom, like April's mom joins them. Uh, it's fighting, and there's fighting, and there's more fighting, and then there's a f- beautiful panel with Raphael and Koya breaking through the wall of the of the barn mid fight. It's a- oh, God, yeah. A- as April and Casey and her mom drive up in the the microbus, it it's it, oh, it's that's that's a panel that you want to blow up. And like have a have a print of. Oh yeah. And what's
1: what's even more impressive uh is the fact that the sound effect looks yep. like splintered wood. Yep. Yep. That's ah so
0: freaking cool. <laughs> uh obviously April's mom is like, What are those things? <laughs> uh, and then and, karate lizards? Yeah, yeah. And uh Koya then goes to attack April and her, you know, mom and and Casey, and she and uh-uh. she's, yeah, she is very quickly met with a just joyous Michelangelo riding the the, the motorcycle that Donatello and 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 Casey was were, were fixing last issue, and just pegs Koya in the head. <laughs> another beautiful panel. That's a that's a splash page that I want to see, like. Like like printed out. It's so, oh, it looks so good. It really really does. Um, but that was short lived because the motorcycle falls to the ground and like crumpled in a broken heap. Oh, it's totaled. Yeah, totaled. Uh, and then the the real reckoning of the, the the issue, like so good, it's so good. Koya is laying on the ground injured. Leonardo walks up with his sword to her neck, threatening to kill her. And she's just like, do it. Do it. Kill me. Prove who you actually are. Prove that you are a killer, an assassin, just like we are, the foot. And there's a moment where Leo thinks he's going to – feels like he should do it. And you see the – like, you you see the revelation on his face of, no, this isn't me. Yeah. You know, I – there was a brief moment in my life where I think I could have done this, but this isn't me puts his sword down and basically says, you're mortally wounded little bird girl. If I keep you here, you'll die because you need to have that wound tended to. So you can continue to fight until you die, or you can take your, take your friends and leave. Yeah. I'm, you know, leaving this in your hands and Koya, flies away or fly? I don't, I don't know if she flies. It doesn't matter. She left. Uh, promising to fight again in the future. Uh, very, very uh, effective scene. It's it's Leo coming full circle, being the leader that they need him to be, taking control of the situation, and dispatching the enemy in impressive fashion. Um uh, April's mom gets a quick, uh, a quick and dirty explanation. Hey, these are my buddies; they're mutants. I'll explain later. And then April gives her mom the vial of ooze. Uh, her mom then pours the vial of ooze into her dad's tea or coffee. Was it coffee or tea? It's tea. It's the Earl Grey tea. Yeah. He drinks it, and it immediately starts to heal. Like immediately. He's able to stand up out of his wheelchair, uh, and it, it it looks like, you know, mission accomplished. April's dad is 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 remarkably healed. Uh, April and the turtles are headed back to New York in the van, and the Northampton arc is complete. The turtles are whole again. Leo is back to normal. They uh they don't have Alapex with them. Alopex is now lonely in the woods back to where she started. But now the turtles have a better understanding of who she is and you know, what her story is. Uh, There are a lot of dangling plot threads here that we'll get back to when we revisit these, these, uh, these books. But I feel like the Northampton arc tells a fantastic story bookend to bookend, you know, I guess technically you need to know what happened before to understand the context of Northampton. But if I were to just give this to someone and say, "Read this," uh, you're you're going to be a little confused, but just read it. I feel like they would understand that it's a character growth arc.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What what are your final thoughts?
1: Like this is. This is definitely one of the strongest story arcs in this run. Um, it's, it's definitely become one of my top favorites. Um, and again, I'm just going to gush, Sophie's art just sells it. Yeah. She just has this incredible way of conveying all the emotions. And like you said, when, they're, when the turtles do look kind of childlike, they do. But when it's time to really get down to it, and and fight and do all that stuff, you know that also is conveyed. And of course, just the anger, the sadness, the hurt, all of that. Just you know, it. I feel stuff, Sergio. (laughs) It just pulls me in. It's just like like Koya got her talons in me. I'm just I'm hooked. Oh yeah. Um, but again i just overall in general this has just been a a a shell of a ride and i i can't i can't wait for more
0: um especially from sophie like i'm just i'm hooked well good good she she does she she comes back for quite a bit quite a lot of uh art so to this day like i you know i'm caught up on this 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 run and to this day the northampton run is one of my favorites yeah it, it might be my favorite just start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, no. It, yeah, it's it's absolutely one of my favorites. Yeah. You know, it's this this is the this is the story because every time we talk about the turtles visiting Northampton, you every time I'm like this, I love it. I love it. I love it. And it, I do, you know, yeah. it's always a good story. And this is the best of the good. Or best of the best. Best of the good. Best of the best. Yeah. 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 Best of the best. Yeah. You know, uh, it's when I read stories like this, it infuriates me that other people in my life don't read Ninja Turtle stuff. Yeah. You know, I don't have someone I can call up and be like, did you read issue 32? Because nobody, nobody's reading these. Well, uh, people are reading like t- turtles. People are reading them, but people who are who would say, oh, yeah, I love the Ninja Turtles. They're not reading this. You know, you could change that. I'm trying to. That's we started a whole podcast to change that.
1: Oh, well, you know. yeah. Uh, Introduce them to the to the IDW
0: stuff. You know, they'll probably get as hooked as I as I am. It's just uh, getting someone to read something is hard. It's very hard. Uh. But I think that's really all I have to say about that. Let's let's jump to the next issue, which is Utram Empire three. The, the the big grand conclusion of this, this little weird story we've been reading. OK, so our story kicks off with uh, a like a flashback two years ago on Utraminum, Minon, Utrominum. it doesn't matter. The Utram homeworld. Uh, and basically it's, it's, it's Krang saying, uh, we've lost the planet. There's nothing we can do. Uh, we're now going to have to, we're going to earth and we're going to, you know, try to save the the species there. Like that's his big announcement, you know, uh, then we, you know, we, we cut back to the war and the Triceratons are just wrecking shop, just messing them up and Krang finally has his big moment with his dad. You know, trying to explain to his dad, this is, you know, you know, we brought this upon ourselves. Uh, we have to learn from our mistakes. Uh, we have to abandon our home world. You, you know, you, you, got to come with me. And he's like, no, if we just keep fighting, we can win. And Krang is like, no, we can't. What are you talking about, old man? And the, the like, the most valuable two panels are the like the last two before we abandon his father completely. And I'm just gonna read them. Uh, This is Crang talking. I've seen the cost of your pride, and I have no use for it. Not anymore. I could have you forcibly removed, but you're not worth saving. And in the next panel, he says, "You're not even worth killing." And this is about his father. Man, you know it's 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 he really has crossed a line at this point not like a bad line, but he he's he's crossed a threshold he can't come back from you know he's in charge now he's got to save his species and he's forsaken his father it's 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 deep it's deep it's lovely um we cut back to what's happening on earth on Burno island and uh Baxter stockman just feels kind of defeated uh he is burning. What I'm assuming is the flyboard. Yeah, that's the flyboard. Uh, and the fugitoid gets taken into captivity. Krang has saved his species, and he's walking back to uh, walking back to the the, the actual uh, like I guess labs, and he kicks everybody out. Uh, and then there's a there's there's a sequence here that I don't feel like is necessary, but it, Kr- Krang is basically explaining to his colleagues. In the past, uh, he's, he's explained to his colleagues how they're going to stay alive when they get to Earth by using the ooze. I feel like we already knew all of this. Yeah. It, it, we we could kind of glue all this stuff together with con- with context clues. But in case we were too dumb to figure it out, they spelled it out in two miraculous pages. Mm-hmm. Um. Baxter decides he's going to murder the fugitoid. Like, I I know that's you can't really murder a robot because they they technically don't have a soul, I I guess would be the argument. Yeah. But when he gets to the room to murder him, the fugitoid kind of he kind of just plays up like this fictitious storyline that Baxter was the hero and that he saw that the ooze was leaking and tried to stop it, you know, and without without Baxter's, uh, you know, last minute heroics, th- they probably would have died. And Baxter not being able to really say anything about that because he was there to kill them. he was like, yeah, totally. That was I did that. And it's basically the fugitoid looking at Baxter in the face saying we're on the same team now and you can't do anything about it. Basically bringing everything back to a status quo where all parties are wary of all parties, but no one can really do anything about it between, you know, Krang, Baxter and and the fugitoid, mm. which is a, it's, a, it's a nice dynamic. I like it. It's a very nice dynamic. I did yeah. not see that coming. Uh, the, the fugitoid sent messages to uh, he he referred to. A message that he sent. He's like, I hope the message went through. Well, uh, the 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 end of the of the the three issue miniseries ends with Donatello receiving what is basically a text message with a plan, telling them this is what we're going to do to save planet Earth, and he gets that as they're leaving Northampton we find out on the very last page that that message not only went to the turtles, but it also went to Karai and the shredder. So whatever the plan is to, to, uh, to fight the creation of the technodrome, all parties are, are, are going to be involved. And this is going to be a situation where the shredder and Krang, uh, you know, the fugitoid is pitting them against each other. at the, Basically. Hmm. And and that really ends that uh you know that 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 little short miniseries uh I don't feel like this third one had the punch that the previous two books had. Yeah, I did really like the the the, the interaction between Krang and his dad. Like that's really the the the, the meat and potatoes of this issue. But mm. overall, I feel like it could have been written into the previous issues if they scrunched everything together real tightly. Yeah. You know, uh, what 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 do you think? It
1: it definitely feels like it was a, kind of like a winding down. Um, yeah. But um yeah, the dynamic uh with uh the Fugitoid and and Baxter, I'm I'm rather enjoying like this is kind of a side of the Fugitoid that we've not seen that he's just being super crafty. Um, I mean, he's always had a plan, you know, for yeah. you know, whatever he's, you know, doing. Um, but this is this was really really cool. Like, yeah. was like yeah. I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play all the sides against everybody. I was like, whoa, this is oh, okay. That's cool.
0: <laughs> and it, it's it's a stark contrast to how the the series started because it started with him jumping off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what else you got for either this this issue or the entire arc?
1: As far as this issue, I don't have anything else. Um, The the arc as a whole, again, it's it's nice to get more uh, in depth care, you know, with these characters instead of them just being kind of like the cookie cutter, one dimensional, Oh, well, I'm a bad guy. You know, I'm pissed off. I'm going to destroy the world, you know, and this really kind of brings it full circle and kind of humanizes Krang. Uh and you really kind of feel sorry for him and what he's had to go through, which is, again, yeah. it's not really something that we normally kind of get to see. Um, um, at least you know in 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 turtles uh comics uh so i'm I'm definitely really enjoying you know um, this runs and again and i and I already said it before the micros and so they don't feel they don't feel like it's filler they don't it doesn't feel like it's just you know oh we need to sell this x number of books this month you know it's all in service of the story and that's why yeah. I think these books are just
0: so freaking good. Yeah. Yeah. We have one more book that we have to go over. One more. One more. And to be honest, I don't even want to spend that much time on it. Okay, that's fine. Uh, and so, so IDW has been very um, inconsistent with their production of what what's it called? Specials or annuals. Yeah. And so far they've only done three in, in the 10 or so years that they've been doing turtles comics. They did an annual in twenty twelve, twenty fourteen, 2014 and 2020. And then there's one coming this year, 2021. If you recall, when we read twelve's annual, it was written and uh, written and drawn by Kevin Eastman. And that was one of the first times we were like, I don't know if Kevin Eastman can do this by himself anymore. You know, like he does a really good job of like consulting and helping drive the the IDW story because his he's credited as a writer on all the all this stuff. Yeah. But he was just straight up given the reins to do whatever he wanted to in on that annual and it was really a mess. Uh if you you please confirm that you remember this. <laughs> Cuz I feel like a jerk just saying, "Nah, it wasn't good." No, no, I do. I do. Yeah, it was it was it was it was rough. Yeah, yeah, and this one is credited to uh, Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz, uh, and all of the art was done by Kevin Eastman. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's for it to be both the de- the debut of Renette and the debut of the Battle Nexus. I feel like it is a wasted. Wasted opportunity. So this is a, like a 47 page book. Like this is a like a double length annual. And uh, the, oddly enough, even though there's so many pages, the story can be kind of described in 10 sentences or less. Because not much of anything that important happens. Uh, it it opens up with the the which two turtles is it? Michelangelo and Donatello basically setting up a, a Rube Goldman like trap for Raphael to fall into when he comes home. Rube Goldberg, Rube Goldberg. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Rube Goldberg. Sorry. And, uh, when he comes home and in, instead of him falling into the trap, Renette shows up with her, you know, clumsy apprentice self. And she's all like, Hey turtles. Um, it's good to see you again. Uh, well, what are your names again, Picasso? Uh, I I can't remember. But but hey, I need your help. Uh, come with me. And you know she does the quick and quick and dirty explanation that she's the time, the the time, uh, timestress. Yeah. Yeah. And just like in the original comic book, she shows up to a time before the time that she thinks she showed up to. So she assumes the turtles know who she is because they're set to have a lot of adventures but she returned to a time too early to you know for that to be the the case um and this does predate the upcoming TMT Turtles and Time arc which we'll probably read next time yeah uh but she immediately basically kidnaps the turtles and takes them with her to this land that's for some reason black and white uh it's not like like a harsh like black and white. it's like a drawn black and white. there's there's some some brown tones to it, some some like maroonish tones to it, but it's for the for the most part, it's colorless, which is a cool throwback to the original cartoon being black and white, not the original cartoon, to the original comic book being black and white, uh, and the original comic book being a Kevin Eastman joint because you know he's a the creator. They get there and they meet this character named Bal Balthazar. And basically the explanation is, is this is a land where the, like the council or the rulers of this land have people fight to the death or to what seems like the death, but it's not the death uh, for the enjoyment of the people, much like a, like a, like a Greco Roman gladiator arena. And there isn't any actual killing when a kill blow is given the, the person disappears and they go somewhere that they don't know where they go, but there's theories as to where they go. They are not dead, but it's really a mess. Uh, the turtles, of course, fight with Balthazar, uh, in this, in this arena. And, uh, as you would expect, they're victorious, uh, and they dispatch all of the enemies that are attacking them in there. And the final five are the four turtles and Balthazar. One of the, uh, one of the combatants was a Triceraton. Didn't they name drop the, transe- the Triceraton? I think it was Zog. Was it Zog? Uh, let's see. Yes. Yeah, it was Zog. Yeah. Yeah. So she kidnaps them and basically takes them to this land to dismantle the, the, the gladiator combat that's happening. Like, that's her goal. We got to stop this. Uh, Lord Simultaneous wants me to. And, of course, Lord Simultaneous is uh, her boss. Like well, a, like a short uh, Jack Kirby with a <laughs> Galactus headpiece. Yeah, yeah. And instead of like after the after the turtles win, through a obnoxious amount of exposition, they talk the the, the, the what is it the council members or the the leaders of this yeah. of this realm into not doing it anymore. And instead replacing it with a battle nexus that is a fair fight that, you know, people will come from different realms to test their, you know, their, their skills. And there won't be the, the, the odd, we don't know where these people go when they're not killed situation. Like, this issue is a mess, man. Almost start to finish. Like, there's some cool stuff in it, but the entire conceit doesn't make sense, and it's very clumsy, especially the part about the, the lead-up to the battle nexus. Uh, when we... F- f- once the uh, mission is accomplished, uh, Renette takes the Turtles back home. They come, they literally come back to the exact same moment in time that they disappeared. Which means when Leonardo steps on the Rube Goldberg uh, device, we get to see what happens. And he goes through the ringer, and he gets punched in the face, and like, there, he hits a net of some sort, bounces off a trampoline. Like glued and feathered. Yeah, tar, tar, yeah, glued and feathered, and finally thrown into the, the, the sewer water, and he's not very happy, no. understandably. Uh, and they're, they all have a fun laugh, uh, and the, the, the issue ends with uh, a re- revealing Renette and Balthazar are kind of a couple now and they're hanging out with dinosaurs yeah and balthazar is kind of dumb like real dumb well you know kind of renette's kind of dumb too i know i know but it's a different brand of dumb it is true like yeah, goofy like, dumb yeah like hers is more of a ditzy airheadedness his is just like it just surfer, stupid surfer guy stupid yeah, uh, I could tell that No, this may be a little inside baseball. I don't I don't know. This one feels more written by Kevin Eastman than any of the other things that we've read today. Uh, yeah, like like the whole Balthazar character is a very Kevin Eastman type character. The yeah. over explaining of everything during the, the Battle Nexus sequences is very Kevin Eastman. Uh, this was exhausting to read. What What are your opinions?
1: I will echo that sentiment. There's so much wording in this. I was like, can
0: we just not get wording? Yeah, like legit. This is like a 45-minute read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like a 45-minute read of a 40-page book. It's It's insane. I will say that
1: this is probably some of his best art that he's done for IDW. I'll give you that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It looks great.
1: I mean, and when you, when you get to the black and white parts, man, I was like, I really dug that. I mean, I enjoyed this, but not all the, all the, all the wording. I'm like, give me some panels that don't have, you know, so much to read. And I was like, wow, this is just, you don't have to explain stuff so much. Just leave it, you know, cause they're like, they're, there are, are, there are things like there's there's even animated series that don't have dialogue going on, and you can tell everything from the emotion and the action. Yeah. You know. Um, but there's some really, really freaking great panels in this. Like, when they're in the middle of the, the arena, and Balth- Balth- Bleh, Balthazar <laughs> is there with the turtles, that's a beautiful scene. Yeah. It's it's all very um Jack Kirby. Um and you know, I can tell that this issue is definitely a nice big love letter to him. Um and of course, I'm I'm always happy to see Renat, even
0: though the turtles aren't. Like, who are you? What's this going on now? <laughs> even though the turtles aren't is a really funny way to put that.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was like,
0: "Huh?" Um
1: her costume's different this time, of course. It's all like a full one-piece, but she's still curvy, you know, like she has been in the past. Yeah. Um she, did, yeah. she didn't get the full Eastman treatment. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, you know, and then, of course, by the end of it, um, I think Renette gives Mikey a helmet that he can keep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She gives her, her helmet, makes it through the portal. Like, oh I don't need this. Here you go, buddy. <gasps> He's so happy. And I love that. And I love the Rube Goldberg uh uh moment.
0: Yeah, and, yeah. I'm I'm really glad that we got to see the payoff on that.
1: I mean there's a lot to enjoy, but there's also, you know, it's like, eh, you know, there's a lot of wording, but other than that, I mean I mean that's kinda like my only real gripe. Like I, I legit kinda
0: enjoyed it. You know, yeah. Like the the worst part about this comic book is you have to read it.
1: Well, they could have toned that. They could have pulled that back.
0: <laughs> on on,
1: you know, and that's a a thing that I've noticed about his work. It's just always oh, so heavy. and like, just just pull it back a little bit, dude. That's a
0: yeah. Uh, and I, that's pretty much all I gotta say. Like, yeah. Kevin but... Eastman's Kevin Eastman's style is is very distinct. Visually, and this this book treads in that water very very well. Yeah, yeah. But that'll do it, man. Whoo! That's a that's a chunk of IDW books. I like it. Um, Yeah, yeah. We don't have much time to really do our closing stuff, so we don't. Jeff, what are we talking about next time? I don't know. I think more turtle stuff,
1: unless I missed a memo.
0: No, yeah, it's gonna be turtle stuff. We're d- we're gonna do more Rise episodes. Oh, hey, now we're finish season one.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, we w- we will be done with season one, and uh, we're getting there, man. I think we're gonna do it on time. They haven't announced nice. the date yet for the movie, so nice, nice. Where can we find you in the meantime? As always,
1: Sergio, you can find me at the Warp Zone Arcade. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, you can just look for the circle controller logo type the warp zone arcade uh in and um uh we do birthday parties tournaments uh we specialize in retro and modern games Uh, neo geo is one of our our biggest pulls um traditional arcade cabinet with metal slug king of fighters wind jammers all the all the some of the best retro games ever um we are working towards reopening, hopefully soon. Soon. Uh, uh, yeah. So um, be sure to update everybody uh, when that happens. Uh, and where can we find
0: you, Sergio? Uh, listen to Debriefing and Cocktails. Uh, that is the Reality Breached James Bond podcast. We we have watched about 15 James Bond movies and, and talked about all of them. Uh, and we're even ranking them uh, best to worst. And we're we're, build, we're doing it in the style of building a list. So as as we go through each one, we put it on the list and, and go from there. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's it's me and Reed Walker just chatting up Double O Seven. Uh, this 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 week we talked about the the world is not enough. Mm-hmm. So to find out if we liked it, check out debriefing and cocktails on all of your podcast services. Yeah. Or on realitybreach.com. Uh, Jeff, that does it. This All was right. episode, what, 63? Yeah, episode, no, 62. This is episode 62. Uh, tune in next time for episode 63. I'm Sergio. I'm Jeff. And we're Shellheads.